0: Welcome to episode 28 of the Ministry at Scale podcast, where we share tips and trends from ministry leaders to help you multiply digital impact. Today, we talk with an amazing ministry whose 100% indigenous staff are using video, audio, digital media, and every means possible to making disciple making disciples around the globe. One thing that we talk about is the importance of reaching people in their own language and culture. And a big part of that is the ability to personalize your calls to action on your website. You have an opportunity to learn the seven steps of adding personalization to your website. Just take our free personalization challenge and start connecting with your website visitors today. Go to journeyt.com slash personalization challenge. That's journeyt.com slash personalization dash challenge.
1: that it grew from March of last year to an idea, to last week we had 640,000 devices logged online.
0: Today, I'm excited to have Mike Shroggy joining us. Mike is the president of Good News Productions International. He's actually worked for 20 years in the community development and church planting over in Kenya, Africa. And then the last 10 years, he's actually led GNPI. If you've not heard of GNPI, they produce some amazing video and social media content and have just recently been learning how to merge that production with digital and, and, and with, a, with a view of helping making disciples around the world. So, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Good to be with you.
0: Mike, could you just walk us through your work experience and how you got involved with, with uh, media and now in the digital space and, and what you were doing in Kenya? Yeah, just, just walk us through your work experience.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, working as cross-cultural workers, uh, i.e. missionaries in the country of Kenya, We learned lots of things that uh, make us unique as Americans from Africans. Uh, Sociologists tell us that I'm different than my African brothers and sisters in 73 different ways. Mm -hmm. Not just my skin tone, but my language, my sense of humor, or my wife would say my lack thereof, (laughs) um, how I deal with my in-laws, naming of children, all of those things are very different. And so we also, because they're a British colony, uh, colonized uh, country there in Kenya, they drove on the other side of the road, not the wrong side of the road, the other (laughs) side of the road. And that's an important uh, thing uh, Mm -hmm. that I learned early, early on was how to appreciate other cultures. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we were doing that, learning the language, and then learning the customs, doing church planting. And it was on that journey that I really got to appreciate that while American media that was Christian was effective in America, It was not necessarily that effective in Kenya where they knew English, but it wasn't connecting.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So, so you mentioned some of the differences. I know um, my daughter who is a, just graduated with as a missions or intercultural studies major. She, she turned me onto a book and I, I, I can't remember the name of it, but what it talked about some of the like warm cultures versus cold cultures and, and all those different things. What, um, when it comes to the media side, what are some of those differences that you saw and how have you strived to overcome those differences to reach, um, folks around the world with media?
1: Sure. When we would take some, for example, um, take some American, uh, content material, the, uh, Africans would say things like, Why are American Christian men so rude to their wives? Hmm. And you're going, How are they getting that? And what they were seeing was that in our chivalry oriented society of ladies first. We would allow the lady to go in the car first. We would allow the lady to go and we get the door for her to go into the church building first. These would be in the media that we were showing. And the Africans saw that as men who were fearful and downright rude because African men always went first because there may be a snake on the path, an enemy behind the door. And so you put your life on the line. You went first to check it out. And so there was an interpretation by African men that... American men were chickens. They were cowards. They were not fearless, but fearful.
0: That is fascinating. Yeah. So when, so, so you talk about some of the media that you created, was it all video media, audio media, and and, and how did you integrate the, how did you learn to speak the heart language, not just the the words, but in the cultural as well in that?
1: Well, one of the keys we learned was that the best way to communicate is to get some from their own culture and audience so that if we're in kenya we have kenyan people most of them are from a subsistence teacher farming kind of community so we would get a person that was of that persona Mm -hmm. and so that's a principle we learned that was effective in our mission work and it's one that works with the organization i'm with now GNPI is really have a subset of those people so that their language, their, their, the speed even, and tone of the language they're using, their issues are the ones that they're dealing with. And so that was really, really helpful for us, was learning how to get that persona that would be a cross-section of the audience we were trying to reach.
0: Now, now you're down in Joplin, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Middle of the United States, and yet you're doing media creation for uh, places around the world. And if you're if you want to, uh, it, like what you said, you want to get the people from that area. They know the vernacular, they know all of that. So how do you do that? How do you how do you connect with the right people over there? And how do you produce? Just just walk us through what does that process look like?
1: Absolutely. Well, it, at the end of the day, we would all say it's God, right? Uh, but it is God ordained. Um, opportunities, normally what we do is we have a particular person, uh, a national, say from India, who sees who we are and wants to have help doing a project. And over time, we'll do a lot of projects. And we notice there's certain level of people that are gifted at leadership, they're gifted Mm -hmm. at media production, and we move from a project-based relationship with them to a partnership-based relationship. Over the 45 years, we've developed key partnerships in 15 different countries uh, with 23 different partners. Obviously, India, big place. So we've got multiple offices in that particular continent as an example. So uh, that's how we discover them. Just do a project first and then discover how they are called and how they're gifted. And we create collaborations. And so now we have... Of our 12 people in Joplin, we help manage, if you will, and partnership another 115 staff in those other 23 offices uh, and studios around the world. That's great.
0: And if there's 115 that are around the world, are, are they, uh, I'm assuming the majority of them are nationals, but do you have any from the United States or from, from stateside that are over there as well?
1: Any boots on the ground? No, none. Okay. We are 100% if you, that's one of our core values as yeah. again, is back to that key persona idea. And we believe that nationals know best.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's one of our mantras. And uh, so if you go to Mexico, you will find nothing but Mexican people in our yeah. facility. If you go to India, same, Kenya, same. And mm-hmm. so it has really, really helped us. We have a, a ready-made market. Uh, we don't have to deal with any translation issues mm-hmm. and misinterpretation because we're dealing with local people who are creating stuff in their own home language, and so it works brilliantly in those regards. Yeah.
0: No, that's that's great. And how different are the are the media types that you produce in the different countries? Like, like is it all doing video work, or is there some doing video and some doing? Uh, like radio or what, talk talk about the different channels or different media types that you're producing. Yeah,
1: it's one of our blessing and and probably Achilles heels here at GMPI is because we don't dictate the channel Uh that the media will be adopted in and the program will go through. We take the channel that the local people think is best. So uh, in Kenya, we still run radio. Uh, Africa is still driven a lot by radio and so yeah. we're involved there although overall our print and radio components of our ministry is probably less than five percent anymore mm-hmm. uh video production via then distribution of cable and free-to-air television and social media uh, streaming aspects and so forth are the majority of what we do but we are involved again in still some print like in ukraine russia yeah. Myanmar, uh, the radios I mentioned in Mexico, parts of Africa, but the majority is video. But we let them dictate the channels at the end of the day.
0: That's great. I, I love that. I worked for a ministry one time that had twelve international offices, and it was the same thing. Each one of those offices were were head uh, that they had that national directors, and just the ability to communicate and reach reach that country is, is so much so much better because as uh, you know, Westerners, we don't know what we don't know so much of the time. Yeah. So, so last year, this little thing called COVID hit. And uh, so, so just, just a little bit of, of context, I, I've got several college age, age kids and they happen to come home. And one of them is also in, involved with children's ministry. And she was like, hey, let's start a YouTube channel for the kids that are going to our church. So they started a YouTube channel there every week. They would do creative skits and verse memory, and even introducing a funny character, Dr. Carlson, which was my other son, but, but just, uh, it spawned some creativity there. didn't last very long, but it did spawn some creativity. Now I know with you guys being video producers, COVID hit, you've done some really creative things on the media side to help to, to help ministry. So could you just talk about some of those that, that you did last year and, and continuing some of those right now?
1: Yeah, it was a blessing. And uh, we were just kind of built to be ready for, for a pandemic in, mm-hmm. in lots of different ways. And so, for example, in Myanmar, um, the three things I tell people, and Myanmar is an example of that, the three things I had to help people with to pivot in our team, so 115 was I had to get uh, them all laptops because they still had to stay home, they were locked down. I had to get them lots of card uh, internet t- airtime mm-hmm. with cell phones and I had to pay for babysitters. <laughs> uh-huh. Those are the three things. Uh, with that, I could disperse my team uh, and they work from their homes and what they came up in creativity-wise to your point was amazing. For example, back in Myanmar, there are multiple different local dialects they pivoted and within 60 days had not one but five different Facebook pages up Hmm. in local dialects well that was like crystal clear water from a well for these people in lockdown who could go and have connectivity and oikos and community on their own very small I mean some of them were less than a couple of million speakers, right? Mm-hmm. That these hundreds and thousands of people could get on a Facebook page that was in their mm-hmm. local language and start hearing worship songs, hearing about from local preachers in their local dialects, what what was God going to be doing with us? What was he expecting of us during COVID and so forth? So, so the whole Facebook thing just exploded in our sure doing it in the really smaller language groups if that makes sense to our yeah. audience and to you yeah another thing we did in india um, was that very much in the beginning of march last year in the lockdown two of our great partners there came up with the idea of we need to create a new kind of digital church online and so they came up with a new name that did not connect itself to any particular denomination or to any particular locale. And so they called it the Hindi Church Online. Hmm. The Hindi Church Online. Brilliant, because it identified with one particular set of humanity, all Hindi speakers. And so they did their productions ahead of time Mm -hmm. in our studio where they would then make the preacher part the sermon much more tight, shorter, the mm-hmm. worship was much more well produced. And at the all of it they had WhatsApp numbers running at the bottom, scrolling the whole time. So people could call at any point to want prayer, answer mm-hmm. questions, be visited, have a Bible downloaded, New Testament downloaded, resources downloaded, all kinds of stuff. Well, Jed, yeah, it grew from March of last year, to an idea, to last week, we had 640,000 devices logged online. Wow, wow. When people in India right now can't move because of the COVID and the lockdown, missionaries can't travel, pastors can't travel, yeah. churches can't gather. The technology, the gift God's given the kingdom is technology and the internet as the railway system of delivering hope and information and Bible uh, expertise and encouragement to people. And there is this over, and we figure if you just do two people per device, you've got well over a million people in a a country that's less than 5% Christian at all uh, that's, out of our little office in the middle of india so those are just two examples i guess in two countries of what has happened
0: that's amazing i mean the again it comes back to your foundation of releasing the 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 local folks the indigenous folks to be able to release their creativity around what are they seeing and what's needed so yeah six hundred and forty thousand devices that that praise god for that that's mm-hmm. that's really neat and that and that's on a online church that didn't exist 13 months ago, right? Right. Wow. So, so I'm, I'm curious on that. You mentioned WhatsApp and I was actually surprised you mentioned Facebook as it relates to Myanmar because some, because WhatsApp is huge in like Latin America and others. So what are some of the um, other channels that we don't hear about in the United States? Like here's Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, uh, what, are the ch- what are the channels or social media outlets that, that you see get, getting a lot more traction in other, other parts of the world?
1: Well, we have uh, just, we can just say this, we don't talk about it, there is uh, influence of GMPI, say, in China. Uh, mm-hmm. we can't talk even with our numbers we don't even talk about mm-hmm. that place as numbers of places because there is additional staff and there's additional even numbers that i i don't even mention but i can talk about wechat for example would be another equivalent that we do very okay. large mm-hmm. uh, in um, thailand it would be line and telegraph uh as equivalents to social media channels um Trying to think what others right now. Um, coming into the blank, of course, we have several of our directors that have their own blogs uh, mm-hmm. that are uh, lines of communication and, and influencers, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, particularly in Chennai, India, we have several that are going that way. Uh, and then in India, back again, we have several uh, cable uh, networks as well that we collaborate with social media uh in their networks and then with our social media and together work with um again through whatsapp and collaborating and putting it all together to do follow-up which is always key to us we don't want to just distribute we want to have what we've really learned that god has shown us is we need to have a strategy i tell people it this way that we used to be content producers only so we build trusses for houses the rafters but in the last couple of years, because of the gift of social media and technology, we've learned that we can be builders of the entire house. Mm. So we have a whole strategy and we notice the trust is the key piece, the content Mm -hmm. is the key piece, but the social media strategy pre-trust during the raising of the trust and after the trust is set, are so important. And so we want to have a great story, but we also want to have great uh, distribution strategies. And so that's the thing. We're we're still learning it. We're not experts at all, Uh, but COVID has put us on an accelerated path to figure that out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, So multi-channels are really a key area to the strategy of uh, being not just content providers, but be follow-up in making disciples who then will eventually gather and become churches.
0: Yeah, so I, I was actually going to ask you about that almost a transition from from you going from a content producer only to the, a distributor of, of of content. Just talk to us about that transition. What are some of the challenges? What are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the joys? What are some of the wins that you've seen in it? Um, and and how have different parts of the world tackled it differently, perhaps?
1: Oh my. My friend, that's a big question. Um, some of the first things, just just Mike, the gut response, uh, just being very transparent. It's been hard. Yeah. Um, a lot of people feel like they've got it figured out, and when you really try to apply it, because it 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 has to do with psychology, theology, hmm. uh, technology all blended together Mm -hmm. in moving someone from making a decision to be engaged with a conversation online to then tagging them offline to be further discipled. Mm -hmm. It's it's an intricate job and we're just still figuring it out. Um, We don't have it figured out. So I guess that's the, I wish we had a quick one, two, three recipe for that, yeah. of how to engage well online, stay engaged online, yeah. grow them online, and then tag them off to disciple makers who can finish and seal the deal, so to speak. It We're, we're, we're not figuring that out very fast. So number yeah. one has been, we see the potential,
2: mm-hmm. we
1: see glimmers of the hope at times with some of these numbers, but we haven't figured it out really, mm-hmm. really well. And what we're figuring out is that the American church is actually going to have to be a little bit humble and understand that she's going to have to learn from the international church. I tell people that our brothers and sisters who've lived in persecution uh, under the banner of Islam uh, have had to depend on how to grow disciples and have lived in basically a pandemic kind of scenario yeah. for decades. Yeah, And so they didn't have church buildings. They didn't have Christian uh, radio stations, they didn't have Christian colleges, Mm -hmm. they didn't have a lot of the resources that we had, and yet figured out ways to use their meager financial resources and social media with Facebook and a laptop and begin to have conversations online and make disciples and create entire movements uh, that moved Mm -hmm. internationally. We need to go and humble ourselves and be under their feet, I believe, and learn and listen. Because it will save some of our precious resources. Yeah. And it will also show us strategies that they've had to learn the hard way. Um, but learn they did and they're being effective in it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Two
0: two things. I, I just want to point out what you said. One, I so appreciate Mike, your humility and just saying, you know, we're 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 figuring this out. Cause I think that's what all of us are, even, even those of us who have been in this for 20 years. Is still a process the the game changes every year and uh learning and, and being humble and um but you used you used three words together that i hadn't thought about before as it relates to you know all the things that goes into not just the creation but also the the whole process of the the, the merging of the psychology theology and technology and you can probably also put in there sociology just the whole way a person thinks, interacts, and to move them forward in, 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 into that engaging with Christ and engaging with other people, and uh, um, yeah, it's it's definitely not a simple, simple cookie cutter process for sure. And I also appreciated what you said. There, there. One of our one of our clients is Voice of the Martyrs. And one of the things that they talk about is, yes, we are serving the persecuted church, but the persecuted church is also serving us and that they, they're helping us to see how we may need to live in the future. And you know we're already seeing glimpses of that from, from time to time. And uh, yeah, so, so Mike, what are some of the projects that you're most excited about right now at
1: DMPI? Well, it's just two doors down from me here in little old Joplin. Most of what we do here, most of the time, our video work is just to produce the stories and get it out to our donor base, okay? Mm -hmm. We're we're getting them from the field and our video work is to tell those stories well of what God's doing through our partners. However, right now in those same studios, we had a project done in Indonesia that uh, are 20 stories, 10 from the Old Testament, 10 from the New, and they're animated. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, one of the examples from the New Testament animated stories, these are about five minutes, eight minutes long, would be the story of Jairus. If people in our listenership know the story of Jairus, he was a young father and he had an ailing and soon on her deathbed, eight year old daughter. He had heard about Jesus the wonder miracle maker, was in a market place down the road from his home. So he dashes and leaves his wife caring for his daughter not knowing if she's going to be alive or dead when he comes back. Jesus says, yes, I've met you, but I've got business i got to take care of first. I will go to your house. And he, he's begging for Jesus to come. And Jesus methodically finishes his other teaching and ministry things and then starts walking to Jairus's house. Jairus is running back a little ahead of Jesus. And then he hears the news his daughter's been killed, I mean, has died. And she's no longer alive. Jesus gets there, does a very untraditional thing and chases all the morning people out. Grandma, aunts, uncles, neighbors, classmates. And he goes upstairs with three of his disciples and raises her from the dead. That's the biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. Here's the spin that we put on all those 20 stories. We don't focus on Jesus. We focus on Jairus. Mm. We focus on the person who is impacted by the amazing work of God, either through mm. God or one of his prophets or by Jesus himself. And so the story starts off with this woman doing the dishes and telling her daughter, she's got to go and they got to go and get ready for bed. And that, yes, they could have grandpa tell them a bedtime story. I'll be there in a minute. So they ask grandpa to tell them a story and they say, grandpa, we want you to tell us the story when mommy was raised from the dead. Mm. Did you ever think about that? They for real could have had that kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Those are the 20 stories animated for kids. We call them amazing stories. And so it just gives me goosebumps even explaining it because it will grab your attention. And so we use the McDonald's factor of if we think if we can grab the kids, we can get the hearts of the parents. That's our main strategy. So we did all of the animation overseas in Indonesia, to keep down our costs and to make it a very international looky. We wanted those stories to come through the eyes of non-American people. So how they're charactered and how they interpret the stories and everything. And we did all that. Well, what I'm doing right now is we are having Americans coming in and doing an American version voice mm-hmm. lip sync of those things because what our do our strategy is, we did the original in Bahasa for Indonesia. We'll now do English as a template, so we can give it to our partners in India who will know English as a second language, and they can derate it into Hindi. We can give it to our partners uh, at Sat7, and uh, they yeah. can do an Arabic version of it for their yeah. work and so forth. And so this template now in English allows it to get expanded into many, many other countries. Does that make sense? Hope yeah. that. Yeah, that no,
0: that's that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so how do you fund? a project like this or all the projects that you're doing, is any of it from local funding or is all the funding from stateside or what does that look like?
1: Uh, We get about 95% of our funding from U S sources. Okay. Uh, About 50% from uh, individuals, about 45% from churches and about 5% other foundations, that kind of stuff that makes up that 95%. 5% is coming from local Indian churches, mm-hmm. businessmen and so forth that come there. And we, we say we believe in partnership and partnership does not mean 50-50 dollar for dollar mm-hmm.
2: because they
1: may only bring one one hundredth of the financial uh, resource needed. But they bring the skill sets. They bring the creativity. They bring the networking with the local producers. Mm-hmm. They bring the distribution intel. They bring the follow up. All of that is priceless, as the mm-hmm. commercial says. And so we tell them we can't put a money value on that. So don't apologize because you can only bring $1 for every thousand of ours. You bring yeah. so many other things to the table. And uh, so that's basically how we work in collaboration.
0: That, that, that's really, really encouraging can, because some ministries, you know, they so much focus on, well, we have to be 100% funded inside the country that we're in. And what you just described really is a picture of the body of Christ, right? Because mm-hmm. God's gifted different parts of the body in different way, different exactly. areas, different ways. He's he's gifted those maybe in the Western culture to have the resources to be able to support those that have the creativity and the network and the connections and to be able to, to be able to create a story like you just described, Jairus's story, and and not and then they don't hold it just to themselves as a template that they can use around the world. And uh, it didn't originate in the U.S. It originated over, overseas and, and now it gets to be able to use used around the world. I, that That's a that's a tremendous model. Yeah, I, I applaud applaud you and, and how the Lord has been working to, to, to develop that model with your ministry over the years. That's that's really neat. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to his and, glory. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you measure success for? all the different things that you've got going on on the content, digital side. How do you measure success and communicate that success or uh, the challenges to to, to, to those that are um, supporters of the ministry?
1: Well, um, I'll just give you three numbers. Uh, We are still trying to learn what to measure. That's Mm -hmm. to your point. And what you measure is important to a ministry like ours. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Three numbers that we had uh, in COVID-2020, that we thought were measures of success. Uh, as I said, we had to get uh, laptops, airtime, and babysitter fees, right? And uh, as a result, our productivity went up the route about 27%. Mm. We were averaging our little organization of 125, 130 people, six media productions a day. Now, that could be something that was 30 seconds on social media, three minutes, or 30 minutes. Mm. Okay, so we understand you can crank out lots of a number, but still six a day, 365 during a COVID year. I think that was pretty good for our little uh, dispersed group uh, around the world. Yeah, number one number. Number two number is we don't measure estimated audiences of radio listenership or of television or of uh, likes, but we measure only those things that we could measure with Google analytics and so forth, we wanted to measure the likes, the engagements, the downloads, the commentary, plus or minus, whatever was somehow showed an engagement with our content, we measured that. We had 41 million such types of engagement last Hmm. year with our content. So 41 million people in some way interacted with those six productions a day.
2: Mm.
1: Final was this, top of the funnel, 41 million. Mm -hmm. Bottom of the funnel, squeezing it down to the lemonade from the lemons, we had 16,049 people who were discipled. Mm. That means they were on the very cusp of beginning their journey with Jesus and we followed them through to more maturity or they were seekers who actually found Jesus in the process of our our engagement and became new creatures in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so six a day, 41 million, 16,000 disciples of a very particular type. Those are, give you hopefully an idea of some of the things that we measure to see that that success. I,
0: I love to hear you describe that because you can tell it's thought through when you can say, well, we had a 27% increase in production, that means that you're measuring it pre-COVID. And so you can see, you know, how many were we doing beforehand? Probably four. Now you're doing six per day and uh, then be able to see the impact of that and measuring true engagements. And it sounds like you're using Google Analytics for a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that. And then of, this, of the 16,000 that are in a discipleship, is that in-person discipleship that's happening?
1: Yes, those would all be, that came offline and went, yeah. I mean, came, they were online engaged yeah. and then were tagged offline uh, into uh, either a discipler uh-huh. and or ideally then they were connected to a local body of believers somewhere. somehow yeah. too. Mm-hmm.
0: That's tremendous. I mean, that's, uh, um, there uh, so many ministries that we work with, you, you know, you just have a, a sense that God is doing a. A, an, an amazing work and uh, uh I, i'm just thrilled to hear to hear how uh, you know at the end of the day god's definition of uh, definition of success is different than our definition of success mm-hmm. often uh, but still we we need things to hang hang things on and, and and knowing that the work that you're doing is having that kind of impact um how fulfilling that is wow it, Mike, this has been really insightful, really helpful. It's been encouraging to me, just personally, just to see how you've been able to harness the power of, of folks all around the globe um, for the creativity, you know, just in such short time to be able to spin up all these different ministries. And none of that could happen stateside in the United States. It, I mean, it takes the creativity that you've been able to release for, for those that are that are involved with your ministry. I, I just... Uh, yeah, it's, I'm excited for our audience to be able to hear your story. That's that's really neat. Um, what is one book or resource or video, something that you have listened or watched recently that has impacted you that you can share with our
1: audience? Yeah, well, well first of all, thanks for letting us share uh, what God's doing around the world through us. Probably the thing that... Uh, has been a tool uh, that I have learned to appreciate and said, Oh, I I always know when they're good. When I say, I wish I'd have had this five years ago. Right. (laughs) And this is one of those. Um, There's a ministry out there called CMI coaching mission international. Hmm. And their strategy is to help people become better coaches, Hmm. particularly cross culturally of people Mm -hmm. and to differentiate between being a guidance counselor or, a counselor in general or a mentor or um, some of these other words and and ways of helping people which are useful Mm -hmm. but a coach in a Christian sense what they taught and trained us and and my whole executive team went through it Mm -hmm. um, is that it dawned on me that as they say we don't want to have just counseling where there's bad decisions and you got to repair them and get them back mm-hmm. on ground zero. Mm-hmm. But there's so many of us that are just stuck and we want to flourish, but mm-hmm. we need someone to coach us to get us over the hump. Mm-hmm. And so we never give advice. We just come in as coaches who are good listeners, mm-hmm. who ask probing great questions, who then hold you in stewardship accountability. Mm-hmm and then ask the what would jesus do question over and over and let you dream and let you come up with your own strategy and so forth it has been wonderful and breathtaking and has worked well for my passion of being a disciple maker it's a way to be coaching and also blending and helping people in their discipleship of following jesus so for us it's been this coaching through this ministry called cmi coaching mission international And learning how to do that in a cross-cultural context because we work cross-culturally all the time yeah so ours is to do that so that we can coach our other directors and leaders in our other teams and help them disciple their staff and coach their staff because we believe we want to not just do great producing but we want our staff to be great disciple makers themselves and followers so we want to invest in our staff as well
0: no that's 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 really neat. I had not heard of that organization before. And I know, you know, a big difference between coaching and consulting, you know, a coach asks the right questions and draws the answers out where consulting is giving advice, giving recommendations. And I can definitely see, especially in a cross-cultural setting, where honing that skill of coaching and uh, I I can see the value of that for a parent. I've kind of created a framework as kids get beyond age sixteen, your role changes from training to coaching, and learning how to to be able to ask the questions and and lead them to come to their own conclusions, not just have the answers for them. And uh, exactly, yeah. Well, Mike, how can people get a hold of you? How's the best way to, for for folks to to get a hold of you to learn more about GNPI? Um, what what do you recommend?
1: Just simply go to the letters gnpi.org and uh, there's a listing of contact information, a bit of our story, different offices and contacts there, uh, Facebook connectivity of content in various languages. That would probably be the quickest and shortest way to to do that uh, connectivity and uh, there's info at gnpi.org option there that you can connect with our office.
0: Well, I, I would just encourage our audience to, to, to go check out gmpi.org and, and click on the projects page because they have listed a lot of the different projects that they've been involved in, and in, in including some of like Clay who's doing a VBS and just a lot of different things, 100 lights, and and uh, just to get a sampling of their work, and not just in English, but in other languages as well. and. Uh, So Mike, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really insightful for our audience. I know there's the ideas that you've shared and just your practical experience in in a humble way has been really encouraging to myself and our audience as well. So thanks so much.
1: Very welcome. It's
0: been an honor to play.